Thank you for listening to the Patrick Ely Podcast. It's for entertainment purposes only. It's not financial or medical advice. How you doing out there? Things been okay? I'm really missing the pandemic. In retrospect, the COVID days were great. There was less traffic. Everyone was making money. Families spent more time together. People embraced finding out what they really cared about, what they really wanted to pursue. The only catch during COVID, no pun intended, was you might die from COVID. Whether or not you were vaxxed. I even missed the vaccine argument. I mean, it was so stupid. It was inconsequential. It was dumb. It was like arguing about religion. It's just a time killer. Now there's a debate about the supply chain because there's literally no food at the grocery store. That's a real problem. As long as you didn't get COVID or you didn't die when you got COVID, I guess the least worst would be you didn't get long COVID or really debilitating long COVID. And basically, you know, you just missed a couple weeks of your life and then you got right back to success and everything being great. We ran out of toilet paper for two weeks, but that wasn't because we were literally out of toilet paper. It was because white Americans are crazy. And of all things, they wanted to make sure they could wipe their asses if the world ended. Which is literally backwards thinking because if you don't have any food to throw down your pie hole, nothing's coming out the back end. This year, everyone's been losing their minds. In part because we've had an epidemic of mental illness for well over a decade. We'd have a, we've had a simultaneous epidemic of prescribing kids Adderall, antidepressants, and all kinds of shit that fucks up their brain when they're supposed to be a fully developed adult. And then you had the catalyst of fear during the pandemic. It's caused people to worry themselves into manifesting full-blown mental illness. It's almost as if once people realized that we weren't all going to die and so much of the messaging and hysteria around COVID was bullshit, it just caused people to crack, especially if they had bought into all that bullshit. I hadn't been worried about it for like two years. I came out of it mentally okay. Now we've got real problems. Kids are getting shot at school. People are getting shot at Applebee's. Fucking Johnny Depp is having to orate his entire life in a courtroom because some crazy rich bitch tried to destroy him. By the way, give that man a podcast, a long form podcast. People don't give, people are quick to say that actors just recite lines and aren't developed people themselves. That motherfucker
has been speaking eloquently without saying like or uh hardly at all right in front of a judge with cameras on him about his real life. And he speaks like an artist, but the good part of that is that it's poetic and the guy can really talk. I almost prefer listening to Johnny Depp speak in his own words than the words that screenwriters give him for his characters and movies. Our president and vice president are so out of touch, no one listens to them. When Trump was in office, everyone listened, the lovers and the haters. People were actually involved in politics, and Trump actually spoke in actionable statements. He talked about what was going to be done, and then he did it. Doesn't seem like anything's been happening with this administration. There's no accountability. And American luxury seems to be crumbling. What I mean by American luxury is we have stores like Walmart and Costco where you can go and get the best products manufactured in the world for cheap. And you have a selection. You have inventory. And these buildings are pristine. They're air conditioned. Shit. Costco in Arizona in the middle of the summer is so luxurious that they just leave the bay doors open. They can afford to just keep cranking air conditioning out into the atmosphere. 24 7, 365. And now all of a sudden, I can't even buy in bulk. I've been moving out to the country and I've been leaving a lot of my old essentials, or my previous essentials at my apartment in town. So I've been replacing almost like if you were to get a, uh, a vacation cabin or whatever. But so I've been trying to pick up essentials. I couldn't find rice anywhere. I couldn't get water one day. Couldn't get pasta at Walmart. I couldn't get towels there either. I couldn't get water jugs at Marshall's or Ross. By the way, Marshall's and Ross during better times is the plug to get nice glass, large containers. For instance, two and a half gallon glass containers to make kombucha. And one and a half gallon water and other drink dispensers. But they're all gone. None of them in the stores. You can find those at Walmart, but they're a hundred bucks now. I get purified water for my drinking. Some of my cooking. And I get it from water station in town. Fill up five gallon plastic jugs. Those jugs used to cost five dollars, now they cost ten. Pots and pans used to cost twenty, now they cost forty. Gas was three dollars, now it's six dollars. It's really unclear where all of this issue is coming from. I feed my dog two kinds of dog food, both of which are grain free. You could say she eats a paleo diet. One is beef and one is salmon. She needed to re-up this week. I went to pick it up at Costco. I head to the back where they have the paper products, water products, and dog food. There was no dog food, no brands, none containing grains, none of the healthy stuff. Nothing. Called around to Costco's. They had none. None in the area. At the end of the week, I was able to find one bag. It was a bag that had missed inventory and was just laying around at the Lodi Costco. 
That was really odd to me. Where did all the dog food go? Why was that so odd? Well, dog food for the most part is made from byproducts of human food. So let's say there's chicken as the main ingredient in your dog food or chicken meal. Well, the way that becomes dog food is at a chicken processing plant where you're getting your chicken wings and your chicken breasts that we Americans love eating. They take the extra bits and pieces and grind them into mixtures that are then sold to dog food companies or ingredient suppliers for dog food companies. There is chicken at the store. It's doubled in price, of course. But I keep seeing chicken. So why no dog food? I would understand if we had a chicken issue, but we don't appear to. We don't appear to have a beef issue. We know we're overfishing salmon, but we also farm that shit. Where's the salmon meal? My friend, Dr. Ryan sent me an article yesterday. It was not from a mainstream paper, but it, it wasn't from a conspiracy rag. It was just a, a local Canadian paper. The title of the article says a string of fires destroys food processing facilities across America. Let me just read a little of this article. A curious string of fires and plane crashes over the last month have destroyed the facilities of at least five major food processors across four different states. It's exacerbated an escalating inflation and supply chain crisis that is quickly becoming chronic. The most recent instance appears to be destruction of Oregon-based Azure Standards Joint Headquarters and facilities during the night of April 18th. This article had gotten, gotten hold of a text of an email alerting affiliates to the damage. The company describes itself as the USA's largest independent food distributor. And in that text, it said basically any liquid like honey, oil, or vinegar is just going to be out of stock. Azure Standard also stated that it lost its fruit packing and carob product facility in the blaze. These fires are receiving no mainstream media attention. Even though, for instance, this is one of the largest ones in the country, one of the largest food processors. The only where you can find the only place you're really finding information on this is in the small local papers. The author of this article had done a little research on Azure, and apparently, the night of the fire, fire chief arrived and found the company's CEO, David Steltzer, at the facility, removing paperwork from the building. A week before, a major California food processing plant called Taylor Farms, and I know people who, who have done business with them in the past, burned almost completely to the ground. 95% of the building was gone. I can keep going. But you get my point. Without saying it, they were kind of saying, it's time for the conspiracy theorists to step in. Now I'm inclined to step over to the side of conspiracy theorists with what's going on. You had public figures coming out, including the president, earlier this year saying, hey, we're going to have major supply chain issues going into the following year. They were not clear about why Sometimes they would say, well, it's because of Russia and Ukraine. Well, it's because some ships are getting delayed. Transatlantic vessels. But none of those accounted for a complete supply chain disruption. And now you have fires just burning down facilities that were supplying the products that were not disrupted. In the stock market, I'd look at this kind of like a squeeze or a trap. For instance, a bear trap happens when traders, buyers of stock, start pushing a stock up so high in value that the people betting against it can't afford to stay in their positions. 
the stock's destined to go down, but they artificially pump it up for a little while to force the bears, the people betting against the stock, to cash out on their positions at, at big losses. Then after they do that, the guys who are buying the stock, driving the price up, go ahead and cash out of their positions, and then the stock goes flying back down to where it actually should have been. If you're a working class person in America, those little checks that the government was sending you, your stimmy checks, those $1,400, they're all gone because housing went up minimum 20% in cost over the last couple of years. So if you had an apartment where you paid $1,000, now you're paying $1,200. What's $200 times 12? That's over $1,400. It's, it's over $2,000. So that money you had got offset. It's gone. Now, with what savings you do have left, you're having to spend it on gas. You're having to spend it all on food. Your money's just get, getting eaten up. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago that explained how even though people's wages are going up, inflation is beating those wage increases, which means that the net is that people are still making less each month than they were before. Even though the money in their bank account, like their paycheck seems higher, their costs of living are surpassing that increase in their paycheck. If this keeps going on, we're going to have a massive number of people in financial crisis. And where are they going to look? They're going to look to the government. This sets a scenario where universal basic income and or greater dependence on the federal government, on the state, becomes a viable option. I'm not anti-universal basic income. But I am anti-scam. At least when it comes to the fundamentals of American life. Or world citizen life. I say that because fake business is real. Fake business makes the world go around. And fake business is what America's economy is based on. Just marketing and advertising and convincing people that they need to buy more and more products they don't really need. And that's all well and good as long as people's essentials for living can be covered. Everybody needs fuel of some sort, whether that's electricity for your electric car or gasoline. Everybody needs water. Everybody needs whole foods. Nutrition. People need roofs over their heads. If people can cover those essentials, then they should spend their money on whatever they want. I have no problem with companies preying on the disposable income of silly people and smart people. If you want to spend all of your money on $200 t-shirts and NFTs, go right ahead. But if our whole world becomes fake business, just architected by a new world order, by some sort of central government establishment, Now, fake business is no longer a fake business. It just is the business. And that's bullshit for the people who really make the world go around, like the agricultural industry and the construction industry, engineers. Scientists. You got to trust the science, right? What are they supposed to do when their real products just start getting manipulated? What are they supposed to do when people think that they're entitled now to get these products for what they see as free, 
because the government is subsidizing all their essential needs. Well, we kind of know what happens. Look at communism. It tends to fail. And those industries, those owners, tend to either become oligarchs or they get destroyed. And they can't make enough money to respect themselves or want to be in these difficult industries. And difficult is very real. You know, farmers have to be scientists. They have to be artists. They have to be managers. They have to be planners. It is not easy to get good yields from crops. You have to know what you're doing. You can't just put a seed in the ground and hope it rains. You need to be motivated. And how do you motivate adults? You pay them. You allow them to have a fair compensation for the hard work they're doing. And they can't just talk their way through getting a crop of apples to meet the demand of the consumer base. No, they have to actually take action. Can't be done with just the gift of gab. It has to be done with supplies, employees, equipment, and technical know-how. People are leaving the workforce left and right throughout all industries because they're not getting paid enough. They're not getting compensated for their work. And what I can say firsthand as a adult lifelong business owner and gig worker is it's not enough to just have a job. The way it's set up right now, for instance, if you want to be a writer, you've got to be working 50 hours a week and then you're still going to have a hard time making ends meet. At a certain point, you just can't write anymore. You just can't you know, stare at that screen on amphetamines any longer. It starts to deteriorate your physical health and makes mental health pretty much impossible. There's no break. Eventually, you just quit. You don't want to get out of bed. It used to be that you could become you know, a salaried writer for a publication and make a middle-class salary. You could potentially write about stories you were passionate about, an industry you were passionate about. You could do good research. You could be a reliable employee. You could get insurance and assurance that you were going to be paid a fair salary, a fair wage. And by fair, something that allows you to have a home, take care of a family, maybe take a couple of weeks off. I went like four years without having a vacation recently. And then I went on vacation and I worked. But that's gone. And as a small business owner, when COVID shut so many things down, it destroyed your momentum. You know, if you had to close your shop and a customer needed the product or service you were offering, they, they probably went somewhere else. And a true small business works through referrals and works through local advertising. And it takes a while to build momentum to create a customer base, to create cash flow. You know, for instance, with advertising, a customer typically needs to see your ad seven times before they can get hooked. And by hooked, I mean actually respond to the ad. Come see you, take you up on a service. That might take six months. Back in the day, when I used to advertise in the newspaper, the newspaper would tell you, you need to run these ads for six months to a year to expect some returns. If you've got no cash flow coming in, and you've got a family to support, what the fuck are you supposed to do for that year? Conspiracy theorists appear when they see these large corporations, Walmart included, that then step in and take that customer base. Walmart's a great example. Walmart, if you go in one nowadays, you can go to McDonald's, you can get fast food, you go to a bank, you get 
all of your household supplies. They also have a pharmacy. And you've seen Amazon has added all of these, these types of services. Amazon will now deliver your groceries for you. I like Walmart and Amazon offering these services. It adds efficiency into the market, but only when it's on a level playing field. And by level, I mean small businesses should be able to run within the free market and try to find a competitive advantage. One of those things is being open, being open locally. You can walk into a store, get the service. But they forced the shutdown. And by they, I mean the government. The government stepped in and forced that shutdown. And they didn't subsidize the business owners. They didn't create a model for them to continue running even if their doors weren't open. That's very different from other countries, well-established countries, that made sure that those business owners were still being actually paid, not just being sent some money in an arbitrary fashion. And that PPP stuff was pretty arbitrary, in my opinion. People who had fake businesses got hundreds of thousands of dollars, and people who had legitimate businesses barely got enough to make ends meet, or they got rejected by banks or the people who were certifying these PPP applications. And one of the things that I wanted to do during the pandemic and did was start doing art for a living. And my art is talking. I had a two-year plan. Like a project manager, I figured out milestones I needed to meet within a realistic amount of time, volume of content that I would need to produce, etc., 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 to give myself a chance to know if I could make this business work. With the podcast, even if things were shut down, I could create content. I could create the content from anywhere with a small amount of studio equipment. And with, with comedy, with intellectual property, no matter what's going on in the world, if that intellectual property is good, if people enjoy it, I can find a way for them to consume it. They can't take my job away. Like they could take a Web 2.0 job away if Web 3 becomes fully adopted. That's something that a lot of people are worried about in modern times. If you think about a few years ago, or really this within the last year, you, it was it was a major media thing. Truckers started getting worried about their jobs. What if, for instance, Tesla comes in and creates self-driving trucks to handle our supply chain? What are truckers going to do? And they were really worried about that. You know, the truckers didn't feel like they could just go start becoming computer programmers, which is something silly that Biden or Biden's speechwriters had suggested. And if you look at West Virginia and their coal industry, this is something we've been seeing playing out for a couple of decades. Families, generations have become dependent on coal mining jobs. And then when the government funds a program to give them other skills like desk jobs or tech jobs, they're not really able to learn those types of skills. Some of that is due to you know, the family culture and what those families encourage their children to do. And some of that has to do with the terrible state-funded education system that didn't give these people the base of, an, of academic intelligence to be able to, as a 35-year-old or a 45-year-old, go back to school and do math, which is so much of what you're doing in the tech industry. I kept having life events come in and just like that pandemic shut down my project timeline and delayed it. I've still hit a lot of the milestones that I wanted to hit and I've still produced content that's been well received, most of it. But there's been a delay and the way the economy has been functioning that delay has really squeezed me. I had to 
me, the investor trader guy, had to pull out some money from my positions that I'd been holding and holding as I went through this expected and what I believe was needed market correction. I had to pull out. I had to dip into reserve funds just to keep living. And that's while working. I've been working as a writer. I've been working as a health helper for people, like coaching them through diets for contests, shit like that. But it hasn't been enough with inflation. It's confusing, but I believe in myself and I believe in what I'm doing and I believe I'll get through it. And I'm just continuing to take the opportunities as they come. I finally got to perform in stand-up the last couple months. You can check out a couple of bits on my Instagram. These comedy rooms seem to be one of the only places where people are letting their guard down enough to actually talk about what's going on and the madness of it all. If I make a joke about a democratic ideology and then a joke about a conservative ideology, I can get everybody to laugh. Because none of it's making any sense. It's all silly. Thinking of your life or your family as a business, you can't run it like the U.S. is running its economy. The U.S. can keep printing money whenever they want. I mean, that's what they do. That's what most nations do these days when they don't budget properly or they don't design their economies properly. They just print money and cause hyperinflation and then go into more and more debt. Other countries want that power. They'll buy the debt. They'll keep enabling them to dig deeper and deeper and deeper, just like a drug addict who's grandmother keeps giving them money to buy dope but as but as an individual you can't just spend money you don't have when i decided to take on the podcasting and stand-up projects the reason that i had time limits or schedules set was because the economy of time matters it wasn't because i knew that i'd make it or i'd be a success in that amount of time I just needed to make sure that it was worth my time When I was in the planning stages, my girlfriend and I lived as a family. We took care of our dog, we shared finances, we budgeted together, we lived together. And it didn't make sense for me to go full bore into something that wasn't paying me straight up, force her to be the breadwinner perpetually. But it did make sense if I had the talent to do something big for us to take a calculated risk for a temporary amount of time. At that time also, I was trading and investing and the market was really good. So I was making as much investing as I would with a normal job. There was a lot less pressure. Somebody with a normal job doesn't understand the mathematics of investing, however. And that's relevant to your family as well. For instance, if you're a small business owner and everyone in your family works a salary job, they don't understand budgeting the way that you do. You realize that maybe the Christmas season is a great time for you to make money, but then you're actually in the red for a few months after Christmas, and you need to have made enough money during the holiday season to get through those next months. You don't expect every month to give you the same amount of money. The bright side of that is you can make much more money than we pro would be projected at any given time. But the other side of that is that you have... You have the valleys, you have hills and valleys. Rain and sunshine. That's the way trading works. Sometimes it's 
much more volatile and sometimes it's much less volatile than your conventional small business. When I was looking at the investments that we were making back when I was planning my descent and then ascent into podcasting and comedy, I planned on there being a year. I actually thought it might be 2021, but it looks like it's 2022, where my profits got cut in half on my investments. I expected to make no money for at least a whole year. And that was fine in my planning because on the back end, 2023, 2024, I expected to, to do well again. But just because I can handle that psychology doesn't mean that someone else can. Just because I can stick with the business plan doesn't mean everyone on my team can. And this year has been tough. That's why that timeline for how long I wanted to give the comedy and podcasting a try was important. If I wasn't having any success, when it came time for that bear market, I needed to spend my time doing something else other than things that don't make a lot of money. If I had potential, then it would be worth taking more risk and continuing going. It turns out I have potential. Now it's important to develop a plan around how that's going to work economically. Like I said, I had to take some money out of investments and that was hard. And I had tried to avoid it. I had tried and have been trying to find a salary job writing. The freelance stuff is a killer. Like I said, you can't make enough money to make ends meet without spending all of your time writing. And I'm a member of a fight team and I do some work with those guys. I try to invest. I try to allocate time each week to recording and writing material. I try to keep up with the writing jobs that I do have. didn't make sense to keep trying to pick up freelance gigs. Even the process of applying for those freelance gigs takes up hours and hours each week of sending out resumes and doing interviews that you're not getting paid for. A lot of times they want sample writing. It's just this time suck. It's an energy vampire. The reason writing is a job that I've been looking at is one, I, I went to school for it. Two, I'm talented at it. I can produce very high quality copy. And three, I can work remotely. And all of the other things that I do don't allow realistically for the time suck of a commute. And not only is there extra expense in that commute, the economy of time, the cost of fuel, but also things like taking care of my animal, my pet. You know, there's a cost to that. And with my girlfriend during the period of time that we planned on me doing the podcast stand-up experiment, she had to be on the road for her work sometimes. It just it wasn't realistic to be making a commute to the Bay Area every day, for instance. So I've been sending out these resumes. And I've gotten kind of far with editing jobs and writing jobs for salary. But inevitably, what's happened is somebody else is willing to do the job for less. And the majority of the copywriting, the writing out there, is done for online companies their websites, their blogs, their social media. And 
it's less about the quality of the content and more about the quality of the SEO, the search engine optimization structure. Basically filling out blueprints. You're putting in links in certain places. You're mentioning products a certain number of times. You're making things look flashy. You are entering keywords that people respond to. You're manipulating people to sell them things. You're vying for their attention. And somebody can basically go to a trade school for that. You can take an online course, figure out how to do that. You know, real high quality writing and well-researched prose and, and uh, you know, nonfiction material is great, but it's not necessary for most jobs. And while that's a skill that I have, it's not worth it to a lot of those companies to pay me what I need to survive, which isn't a whole lot of money, even in California, when they can get somebody to work as a freelancer or work for salary and get paid $35,000, $40,000 a year. And somebody coming right out of school will take that. Sometimes in the interview process, the salary discussion doesn't even come up because they know how much I get paid. And when they talk to somebody who's working for $25 an hour, They zero right in on that person. It's a very frustrating part of that job that I have. Something that's refreshing in stand-up comedy in particular is that it's kind of the other side of the spectrum. If my content, if my writing, if my jokes are good, that's undeniable. People want to pay to see the best jokes. Nobody is going to fill a club with a shitty comedian. Nobody is going to have patrons come back to see somebody doing half-assed jokes. The thing that causes me to lose jobs in the conventional economy, in the writing world, is a thing that can allow me to have one of the very few jobs available in the entertainment industry, in the social commentary industry, and in the stand-up comedy industries. The trick is figuring out how to hold on long enough to get into that world and to secure a spot so that I can simply be rewarded for the quality of my work. Now, I hope in America that we have a return to people being financially rewarded for doing high quality work. But if you look around, there aren't a lot of high quality companies out there. There aren't a lot of high quality products. Like I said, it's all fake business. And even if you watch television, so much of the news reporting and journalism is just clickbait and being inflammatory, and it's not even well-researched. There's very little journalistic integrity. People are rejecting that, though. CNN spent $300 million to make CNN Plus their, their streaming service, kind of like Disney Plus. They only got 10,000 subscribers throughout a month and they wrote off the whole $300 million investment. They canceled the service. It failed. And money talks. People are realizing that Americans can't keep putting up with this terrible, terrible journalism, this terrible, terrible news content anymore. So maybe that's an early sign of the things to come. Maybe we'll see people starting to get paid outside of trade work for the quality of their effort and expertise. Until then, the savvy hard workers out there are going to continue to be frustrated and they're going to continue to have you know, mental illness pop up. They're going to continue to suffer. And I think that'll probably be reflected in the economy. 
which at this point is reflected in the stock market as well. I have no problem with that. It should be. We have to create accurate pricing for the values of companies like stock prices. They need to be fair. You shouldn't be paying $200 for Twitter when nobody even knows what the hell's going on on Twitter and nobody knows what's real on there. It's probably a $25 stock, which is why it's a joke that the board of Twitter is trying to block Elon Musk from purchasing it from shareholders for $53 a share. But that's the world we're living in right now. We'll see if he prevails. When the stock market is fairly priced, that's when you have real value. That's when you have a chance to make big money on your investments. And that is why after every recession and depression, you have not an equal, but you have an opposite in large magnitude uptick, upswing, increase in value. As a recovery begins, you'll have a few years of much higher growth than an average growth year. And that's why as an investor, I wanted the positions that I was in as the value of my portfolio went down. It's really hard for people who don't understand investing on a deep level to understand. And it can look like I'm not working on that as month after month goes by where I lose money, where the number on my balance sheet goes down. But someone keeping the faith, someone understanding the principles can see what's happening if they take a closer look at my portfolio and how I've set it up, the different companies I've picked, the different funds, the different exposure to different indexes. You know, time will tell, but historically, I know that my positions are right on and I plan to hold all of them that I can as long as I can. Until that uptick comes though, it's easy to criticize me. It's easy to, to say that I'm not doing as much work as I actually am. The same as, you know, if you're a comedian doing open mics and you're spending hours writing the material that will ultimately fill a stadium or fill a theater with patrons paying 30 to $40 for a ticket, you know, an open micer will look like, well, they're just wasting their time. However, when you, you know, fill a, a theater with 300 people who paid $40 a ticket and you're getting half of that, you're now making much more money than anyone would hourly. It's all a gamble, right? And so is becoming a trucker. So is becoming a copywriter. So was becoming a typist years ago. People used to have secretaries type out everything, and now we have dictation. And now we have apps. And we have all the different forms that, that have surpassed typists. And you don't see many people being career typists anymore. When that was one of the more popular jobs, especially for women in like the 60s and 70s. Security is an illusion. And people who understand that are more apt to chase their dreams because they understand that there's possibility of failure in anything they do, even if they're told it's safe. I, I went to college and then I became a doctor and when I was told to go to college, it was you, you can't make money or have a real good paying, secure job unless you go to college. And what we've seen is that college became, during my generation, one of the biggest ripoffs, depending on where you went to school, if you went in-state or out-of-state, which majors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The more education that you got, the more debt that you were getting. And then it turns out that the jobs that you could get with that debt couldn't even pay off your student loans. So a lot of illusion going on out there. I wonder what the real root of the supply chain problems are. I wonder how long the stock market will question its stability and the stability internationally of public companies. And I wonder how, how long my personal 
business that is my life. We'll continue to function through reasonable metrics. I have a feeling a lot of you are thinking about similar subjects. You might use different words, but you're figuring out, you know, should I, should I pursue this fighting thing? Should I switch jobs? Should I sell my house and take profits and downsize? Or should I try and purchase a house right now with prices at all-time highs and interest rates creeping up? That's all that I can afford and hope that I can continue to have a salary that can pay that mortgage. And I hope that I can hold on to that house long enough that we get through the next housing crash and ultimately come out profitable on the other side. Something that tends to happen in 10 to 15 year cycles. If you look at your time and your personal life as a business, you think about the economy of time, you can start to break down the probabilities of what you want to do with your life and how you want to do it and what's reasonable to your family. It doesn't mean that it'll stay reasonable. It's all relative. I, I learned from a good friend of mine who's been an engineer for NASA and Boeing that planes fly for a lot of unknown reasons. What they do know is that if you design a flying vessel in a certain way, there is a next to zero probability that it will crash. But there's nothing for sure out there. Yet we all get on planes and we pursue space programs because we know that it's worth it because of those probabilities. What we often don't realize is that those are probabilities. They are not a sure thing. And at any moment, there could be failure. That's okay. It's risk management. It's economics. That's how we're going to functionally work through one of the most troubled times that we've seen in the last hundred years. 